0: This show is brought to you in part by the Rise Up, Stonewall, and the LGBTQ rights movement exhibit opening October 17th at the Illinois Holocaust Museum in Skokie. Find out more at ilholocaustmuseum.org.
1: Hey, what's up? Welcome to Chicago Queer and Now. My name is Taryn. Hey, I'm Adam Rhodes.
0: How's it going, Taryn?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm getting ready to visit New York City in a couple of weeks, so just like emotionally preparing for that. I haven't seen any of these friends since before the pandemic, so I'm like desperate to see all of my people.
1: It's, Ooh, that's um, gonna be awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm super super excited. Going to all my bag- bagel places, heading up all of the gay bars that I miss. It's gonna be a party.
1: That sounds great. Yeah, what my girlfriend doing? and I, my girlfriend and I just recently got back from a trip out east. Also, my family's from upstate New York, not New York City. But still a good time Uh, to see a lot of family and friends that we hadn't since before the pandemic. Just trying to do things as safely as possible. Um, But it was super worth it and very fun and like much needed family time.
0: It was super cute. I also love that like I feel like you more than any other queer person I know, like you and Monica, like your families like love each other. Like, you all just, like, always hang out with each other. And I think that's, like, super cool. I love that. It's,
1: it's so great. I feel so lucky. Yeah, especially because, like, Monica's family lives just outside Chicago. So we see them pretty frequently. And, like, from the get-go, they were just, like, you're invited to everything. Like, you're part of this. You're in all the pictures. So oh, I
0: love that. Yeah,
1: it's been awesome.
0: That's so fucking sweet. Goddamn. Yeah. Um, damn, that's really sweet.
1: Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're here. We're... We're back to the grind. We're working. so
0: Doing the thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So today we're going to talk about our little trip to the archives a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, it was a party.
1: <laughs> it was a party. Um, <laughs> we don't work from the reader office anymore, but we are allowed to go and visit the massive blue books that hold the <laughs> archives from way back to 1971 in the reader. Um, so tell me what that was like for you adam like going in for the first time and just like seeing all that old reader content
0: it was kind of overwhelming at first admittedly because um you and i went with a specific task to like go find things for some projects we're working on so um i was just like kind of looking at archival queer coverage and to like have 50 years of um just like old papers to go through to just be like find like LGBT-focused coverage um, was definitely daunting. But there are definitely some goodies in there.
1: Yeah. No, oh, my God. You have to go in with a mission because if you're just Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm just going to kind of browse, the paper used to be so much bigger than it is now. Oh, my God. For real. So you can't just go, like, you end up just, like, reading everything, which is impossible. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's much better if you have, like, a time frame or a specific, like, thing you're searching for. Um, And I know we, we were both there looking for stuff for our stories to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the reader, which is October, 2021. Um, So tell me about your story and like what you were looking for in the archives.
0: Yeah. So uh, my story really is just broadly looking at how the reader covered queer issues uh, back in the day. I think a kind of stunning um, statement that Karen and I uh, made to each other was that the reader started two years after the Stonewall riots. So truly like, right fucking after this modern spark of the queer liberation movement. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really wanted to kind of look and also kind of interrogate how the reader covered queer issues in the past. Um, I was surprised about um, really the breadth or the depth of the coverage of the queer community at certain points. Um, I think there were definitely examples of just like problematic coverage but I think it reflected more just like the attitudes and like the language that was like used in mm-hmm. the day as opposed to like I mean people would never write that way now. People right. would never say like cross-dress or transvestite or right. like right. homophile or stuff. Those were the words that we knew. I mean they were obviously terrible then and I'm sure the queer community or we know the queer community is pushed back against um hurtful terminology mm-hmm. even then. Um, but it's so interesting to see how just like language and description and writing about this community has evolved over the years.
1: Yeah, it it really is a a time capsule of the era and also just a time capsule Mm -hmm. of like the kind of culture of the reader back then. Because obviously now we have this like amazing queer leadership and like we're not a queer paper, but we kind of basically are. So (laughs) We're like essentially a queer paper, (laughs) Taryn. Yeah, so um, it's interesting to kind of hear about and like learn about how far we've come Mm -hmm, in our like leadership and staff and and the coverage that we do, especially with like just great reporting like yours. Oh, thanks.
0: Um, I think yeah, it's particularly uh, stark, you know, like Karen is the first black person to have her job at the reader. Um, And I think that definitely guides a lot of the coverage we do now. But I also think like the very white, very male Leadership of the early reader was very reflective in the coverage. Yeah, um, I I think most, if not all, stories focused on cisgender gay men, with like few exceptions. There mm-hmm. were articles about like, oh, who's going to be Chicago's first openly gay politician? And it was all like white men,
1: right? Um, yeah.
0: But then there was also like, I guess what attempted to be nuanced coverage of the trans community, and there was a profile of a. I guess what we would now describe as a gender fluid or at least like trans in some way teenager, but like, you know, the language is a little fumbly. They like mix between pronouns or like he, she, or they're like they're like so and so is really a man. When it's mm-hmm. like when you, you know, like that person now today would be described obviously fundamentally as a woman. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, while the coverage and the writing can be a little dated and problematic in some ways. Um, in many ways, <laughs> admittedly, <laughs> right. um, I think you know you also have to think how novel it was in seventy nineteen seventy three for somebody to, devo- to devote like five thousand words to a trans teenager,
1: yeah, or that's true, yeah.
0: you know, ten thousand words to a profile on married people who um, dress as the opposite gender. So. Mm. Um, it was really really interesting it was that like like you said it was that like time capsule of the era and it was interesting to see that coverage evolve um and to see the agency of the community evolve as well because what I found was that as the queer rights movement progressed you also saw a lot more um pushback in like letters to the editor to like homophobic comments by like other letter writers or even just like distasteful covers that they didn't like I found like a couple of letters like calling out people for using the word queer which at the Mm. time was a slur and like is now obviously being reclaimed right um but it was really really cool to see the like the community almost kind of take its power
1: yeah I remember you also mentioning that a lot of the earliest coverage was coming out of the arts and culture section rather than the news section yeah um so that I think that's interesting as well that that was mm-hmm. in many ways just like a bridge to kind of get queer people in the news was like the the artists and the creators,
0: yeah, for sure, and I think like these like long illustrative features about like trans people or about queer culture in this city um I think there's more than I thought there were admittedly like, i um our production manager, Kirk Williamson is doing an archive dive or did an archive dive for the reader's 50th anniversary and found all of these queer covers that he sent me. And it's like about the Belmont Rocks, which is a now closed uh, queer beach um, in the North side of Chicago. And there's others about like, can gay people be religious or like, or there's like an entire feature about like, what is like, transgender because I guess you know at the time like that was not something people or the mainstream even alt media, is like really even knew what the hell that was yeah um and but I think my favorite thing that I found in the reader is like writers and journalists who I respect having bylines in the reader Mm -hmm. um you know Mark Schoof's who's the current editor-in-chief of BuzzFeed uh has a byline and has a couple bylines in the reader but like Apart from Dan Savage's Savage Love column, which uh, is included in The Reader, he has his own writing in The Reader. Um, that's nonsense to get. That was just published exclusively in The Reader.
2: Okay. My favorite.
0: Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, but by far, the absolute best thing I found was a blistering critique of the movie Philadelphia, which if you don't know, is a movie uh, starring Tom Hanks about a man who was fired for having HIV. Um, And it's just an absolutely a heartbreaking movie to watch. I watched it in high school in health class. And what? Larry, yeah, I watched it. Oh, yeah, we watched it in a health class in high school. Oh, man. I mean, that's Florida public school for you. I don't know what to oh. tell you. <laughs> um, Yeah. Um, But Larry Kramer wrote a critique of it. And it was just absolutely fascinating. I mean, Larry Kramer of ACT UP fame. He right. started ACT UP. It's the reason that America was forced to confront the realities of the HIV AIDS viruses because of the work that Larry Kramer did and he very recently passed and it was absolutely heartbreaking in the New York Times and many media publications absolutely missed the fucking point in his obituary <laughs> um but yeah it was just it was stunning to see his name in the reader um and you know I admire him and revere him so much it was uh, very personal to me as well to see that name
1: that's really cool um Tom Hanks not your best moment
0: Okay, so I've babbled enough about what I found in the archives, Sharon. Tell me what you were working on and tell me what you found.
1: Yeah, so I went to the archives to look at the reader classified section. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I currently manage the section, um, you know, just taking classified ads, uh, like jobs, like rentals, stuff like that. Um, And the classified section has evolved like so greatly over the years, obviously in the years before like Craigslist and all that good stuff, like the reader classifieds was like the place to go for, yeah. Finding a job, finding a house, like selling stuff, meeting people. That's so Um, cool. Yeah. It's truly was just like a different time and kind of like a cornerstone of Chicago. Um, Mm -hmm. so it was really interesting to look through, um, in my 50th anniversary piece, I'm highlighting some some good love stories from reader matches of Aww. couples who met through the paper. Um, That's super cute. Yeah. Uh, I was also particularly interested in the, like, men seeking men and women seeking women classified ads. You know, um, as we are. Yeah. I have a couple to share that we can talk about. Um, we... I know when I was going through them, we were talking about kind of the, like, internalized homophobia in mm-hmm. some of them.
0: Ooh, yeah, very bad.
1: Um, so, like, for example, this is one uh, man-seeking man ad from the 1980s. It says, uh, by white male, very good-looking, and very discreet. I play a lot of sports. I'm 100% straight acting, not into gay lifestyle or bar scene. Discretion is assured. Um, so you can just feel the, okay? like... I know, like, I'm bi, but I'm, like, really not trying to...
0: I feel like that person, if that person were standing even within six feet of a drag queen, they might break out in hives.
1: I agree, yeah.
0: <laughs> w- would
1: hate this podcast, yeah. Oh,
0: my gosh. Well, this podcast is not for them, Hanny. Exactly. Um, yeah, wow. I mean, well, first of all, that's people still say that on, like, know, the dating apps. Yeah. People say, like, straight acting, um, which I love this comedian, Jaboukie Young-White. He, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I love Jabuki. He said on um, a late night set, he did, and he said um, the gay men use straight acting the same way straight girls say, oh, I'm just like not like other girls. And it was uh, yeah, so funny to me. It sent me. <laughs> um, but wow, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I hope that right. person's doing okay.
1: <laughs> I know, And I know I read this one out to you when we were archive diving, but Mm -hmm. there's another one that says, like, gay white male, 23, disgusted by the effeminacy and lewdness of the gays I have met, looking for another gay who is unlike other gays. Wow. Yeah, just, like, heavy. That's bad.
0: (laughs) Wow, tell me you hate yourself without telling me you hate yourself.
1: Right? It's sad. And just, like, there's this kind of, like, pre-internet age of, like, you're still anonymous in doing mm-hmm. this, but it's still like going in the newspaper. Um, like, girl, people can see you. I know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I Damn. found stuff that, that wasn't maybe quite as intense uh, in women seeking <laughs> women, um, mm-hmm. th- but it was still like really common for just like at the end of an ad for someone to say, like, no butch is no druggies. Or like another one I saw was like, seeking by curious female unattractive fat masculine and lesbians need not apply um oh that's just rude i know so you're just like really like still allowing uh, all of this this, like racism and homophobia and like anti-fatness is like still so prevalent um oh
0: yeah i mean i if you told me you saw those today i would be very unsurprised quite
1: frankly yeah it's Some just like a mean. It's something about reading it in print though. I'm like, oof.
0: Yeah. The fact that like someone like sat down, typed that out, and we're just like, I'm gonna send this to someone.
1: Yeah. Like I just don't think I would reply to an ad that was so awful. Yeah, so awful. All right.
0: How many? Um, what others do you got?
1: Um that was mostly what I wanted to share about the queer stuff but I do want to take a moment to highlight some of the weird classifieds like are you aware of the weird classified culture
0: no I am not I need this in my life thank you (laughs) so actually this is the new podcast I'm sorry
1: (laughs) so I have heard that like back in the day there was like a whole community of people who would basically just kind of like use the reader classifieds kind of like as reddit like and just like Shitposts have like pseudonyms that were really weird. Oh my weird. God, yes. Um, one of them reached out to me for my story named Tiger Lady. Iconic. Um, and was just kind of talking about like-
0: Is it Carol Baskin?
1: It, pff, truly it could have been. I have no idea. That is a good <laughs> guess. <laughs> wow. Throwback to the beginning of the pandemic. Oh like, my
0: God, right? <laughs> so, oh, I talked to somebody the other day and they were just like, do you remember that we started the pandemic with Tiger King and it fully gave me a panic attack?
1: I truly have removed it from my mind so Mm -hmm. oh yeah I couldn't
0: tell you what the hell happened in that show right like I think it was just like I saw it and it was just like nope this is not for you sorry yeah Um, back to tiger lady I'm sorry
1: back to tiger lady back to weird classifieds people would just use this as like a forum to like send like cryptic messages or just like you know whatever they wanted to each other (laughs) um like here's one here's one that I found from 1976 ready my duck's name is platypus max duck since graduating from Murray Mandrake's du- dancing classes, he really likes ducking in the dark, hence the nickname PM. Signed, Sparkle Farkle.
0: I really don't even know what to say.
1: <laughs> That's the whole what? ad. What? Yeah. Is it? So
0: yeah. Uh, what?
1: <laughs> well, if you think if you think that one didn't make a lot of sense, here's another one that I found from the same year. <laughs> okay. A K. Hada, hida, huda, Hada. Hada, hida, hada. Know what I mean? Signed, peanut head. Okay. So when I say people would like put anything in here, truly anything. Um, do you know what it, so that means? I'm, do you know what it means? No, I don't know.
0: <laughs> you're the, listen, you're the one writing this article, Tara, and this is the investigative journalism that we need. What does Hada mean?
1: I don't know. Yeah, I should <laughs> do a deep dive into, into Peanut Head and what he was talking <laughs> about. Go find Peanut Head.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> a deep dive into Peanut Head. Oh my God.
0: Iconic. Uh, um, well, I think you are absolutely omitting the most important part of the classified ads, Taryn, which is the absolutely wild, just like, sexual ads that were in
1: there that's true oh my gosh
0: I for I had no idea that was in there and when I went to like go in like the 90s or something for the reader and I was like I went through the oh I was helping you with find something in the archives
1: yeah yeah um
0: in the classifieds and I was going in and all of a sudden just saw someone like it literally was just like slutty bottom looking for like horny top and it was like what oh yeah <laughs> but it was like that was his own section it wasn't. Yeah, because it
1: was like it was reader matches, and then what was it called like XXX matches or something
0: like? I, I think something like that, or it was just like, yeah, it was like very. It was like sectioned off, so it was just like you could yeah. either look separately for like a uh, partner, a romantic partner, but then you could mm-hmm. like get your black back blown out over here, like go for you, you for
1: sure. Could yeah. Oh my god, truly.
0: Yeah, so re- reading
1: through those, we were both like, oh my god.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just but I love like. That's been like the reader's vibe since the get-go. And I, I love know it. I love that it's like always been this like fucking freaky, weird ass place.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are no rules.
0: No rules. I mean, there's some
1: rules. Some rules. Yeah. But wow. yeah, that that was just a <laughs> small sample of what we found in the archives. Um, Lord.
0: Oh my god, we didn't so... even talk about the waterbeds. You know what? that we'll save that for the next one.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: we'll save the waterbeds for the next one. Yeah. Stay tuned um, for waterbeds, friends
1: stay tuned for waterbeds. um <laughs> so that was a good kind of survey of our archives time and a little work in progress update for our 50th anniversary stories um yeah. which will probably be dropping soon
0: yeah for sure stay tuned friends i love
2: saying stay tuned i don't know why <laughs> chicago reader podcasts are recorded on sure microphones born in chicago Sure has been bringing stories to life on stage and in the studio for nearly 100 years. Whether you're listening along or starting a project of your own, Sure makes extraordinary audio products you can rely on anywhere, anytime. Learn more at Sure.com. All
0: right, so we're back. And now I'm actually going to start us off on a little bit of a history lesson in Chicago. Uh, and... Obviously, the goal of this podcast is to highlight queer people, highlight untold queer stories, all of that fun stuff. So I'm actually going to tell you about the queer history of the city's Leather Archives and Museum.
1: Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I think one of my favorite things about this podcast is that we, we are still new to Chicago and we are young queer people and we don't have everything figured out. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, we're going to use this little kind of like teach me segment to to just like learn some things about Chicago and about queer history. Cause I think also my queer history knowledge is a little bit like piecemeal. I never specifically studied it in school or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited to hear what you have to share today.
0: Yeah, totally. So uh, just on the outset, what do you know about the Leather Archives of Museum of
1: Um. It can be nothing.
0: The answer is it's totally fine to say nothing.
1: Yeah, I mostly it's from kind of seeing things in the reader that it is kind of a like tribute to like kink culture and like leather Mm -hmm. culture in the like gay male community specifically, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that there's uh, currently or upcoming a like play happening there or something. (laughs)
0: Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's where I'm at.
1: Are you ready? Yeah.
0: All right. So the Leather Archives and Museum, like you said, it's a museum dedicated to chronicling and collecting the history of the kink communities in the United States. And that includes straight people. It's not just queer people. But let's be honest, the majority or I guess the most common uh, image of like kink and fetish are queer people. Mostly like two get and you think of like a big old leather daddy or something. And so, But the museum actually has like a lot of fabulous exhibits on trans people in the kink community or like the role of women in the kink community. Um, But going back all the way to the museum's founding, the museum was founded by Chuck Renslow, who if you know anything about like Chicago queer politics or queer history, you know that Chuck Renslow also founded the Man's Country Bathhouse in the city. It was far from just a bathhouse. It was like a complex of like, private rooms of dance floors of like music venues of like several bars uh in andersonville and the Leather Archives and Museum was a project of Chuck and another individual named Tony de Blas or Tony de Blaise of collecting this history because again this is a population that was decimated by HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um this was right around the time that these pop- that men were literally just dying left and right. And so it was really important to collect a history of queer people in this time. And again, this is probably one of the most radical times to be queer in the United States. Originally, it was called the National Gay and Lesbian Archives. And so it was incorporated in like May, 1991. Um, and I spoke to Gary Wasson, who's the current executive director of the museum. And he said it was actually Tony Blaise who really convinced Chuck to move it away from just like the national gay and lesbian archives and focus on the kink community.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, So it was really, really fascinating, uh, which is, you know, it's still open. It's still up and running. It's a fucking fabulous museum. I actually try to go uh, at least once a month just to see some rotating exhibits. And it really is just like this fabulous collection of queer kink history. And you know, they have an entire library where they have like a scholarship on this and there's an archive downstairs with rows and rows and rows of metal shelves with boxes that have artwork and ads and collections of history that are otherwise lost um there is a leather preservationist named leslie and like if you go into the museum and you see all of the fucking shit that is hanging, like the sashes, the belts, the like chaps, everything, it's Leslie's job to preserve all of that. And I, when I was taking photos and everything, there was like this cart that Leslie has. It's like a, um, like a utility cart. Mm-hmm. And it's just like covered in like balms and oils and brushes and like scrubby things. Um, and I think there's this huge misconception when people think of just like, oh, like why are you collecting a history of kink? Like, why is that an important history to collect? But, I mean, as with most queer histories, like, all of this has influenced society. It's influenced culture. And Mm -hmm. just because, you know, it's like a more taboo or like salacious, I guess, uh, aspect of the queer history, it doesn't mean that it's something that shouldn't be celebrated. I mean, queer people, our entire lives have had to, kind of justify our sexualities and so the the museum feels like a continuation of that.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's so fascinating.
0: Mhm. Yeah. And it's actually 30 years old. It's this year uh the museum turned 30 and you know they've been recognized they were recognized in congressional testimony by a local representative. So there's like in the congressional record LNAM is mentioned. Wow. And so Are it's- there
1: do you know if there are other places like across the country that are kind of like this that are, like, archiving leather and kink?
0: Uh, I'm admittedly not super, super sure. But everyone I asked about the L.A.N.M. said Chicago is pretty much the only city that a museum like this could exist in. Because mm. Chicago actually does have a very, very strong kink community. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, there's Touche, which is a leather bar, there's Jackhammer, which is now closed, there's Steamworks, which is another bathhouse in the city. So Chicago has a very healthy and very active kink population.
1: Yeah, I remember reading your bathhouses story. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll link to that in the show notes, because that is Mm -hmm. a super interesting read and, and ties into this well.
0: Yeah, and um Chuck Renzo, you know, also founded the international Mr. Leather like pageant contest kind of thing that yeah, happens I in Chicago every year. So it brings thousands of people to the city every year, not since COVID, but like traditionally gay Twitter is just popping off with people and, like who's going to IML? Who's doing this? And like the photos are just like sweaty men packed into like a hotel. Um, but yeah, it's a fucking party. And I think that LNM is really just one of those like secret gems in the city I mean as well known as it actually is in the city I feel like not enough people know enough about it
1: yeah that's yeah I'll be I'll be curious to go um do you feel like you learned a lot even not just from like reporting on it but like you as a queer person like did you learn a lot learn anything about your identity or your history in like looking through these archives and stuff
0: Yeah I think um, maybe not like my own personal history but I think the kink community really fails at highlighting the role of women and the role of like trans people because I mean well the kink communities that I exist in are just like gay white men frankly or gay gay men Um, and so there's an ongoing discussion about like you know are trans men allowed in these spaces what about like non-binary or like gender fluid people like myself so mm-hmm. uh the fact that they have an exhibit about like trans people in leather or, like women on leather they're like making very concerted efforts to tell the full spectrum of the story which i think is incredibly valuable and is something that we desperately need
1: yeah yeah that's very cool it definitely uh a piece of queer history that i think even if you did uh like study it in school or something you might not learn a lot Mm. about like leather and kink so uh, that's a good one to highlight for sure
0: yeah for sure um and I have to say one of my favorite things that the L&M does is they have like a rummage sale once a year and so you can like I went to the rummage sale last year I did not make it this year but you can buy anything from like vintage bar posters and vintage like homoerotic art to like leather vests and like chaps and then there was like a very small collection of like dishware which I found ungodly <laughs> hilarious
1: that is really um, funny
0: but then there was like a wall of like VHS porn so it's just like runs the full gamut of people's interests I guess yeah um, but,
1: I yeah, bet you'll it's... find some some good tattoo inspo there
0: Ooh, very very true um if anywhere if I need to go anywhere to find some Tom and Finland imagery it is absolutely L&M yeah Yeah. And I just really want to highlight um, the executive director, Gary Watson, is working his fucking ass off to keep this museum alive, particularly during covid. Um, He is preserving a history that few people are preserving. And I think the museum is lucky to have him and the city is lucky to have him, frankly.
1: Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah.
0: Um, So, Taryn, we obviously need to be making a trip to this museum when I get back to from New York.
1: It sounds like we should go. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking now, and la m is open Thursday through Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely go and support them. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, am a when I, You're a member? That's awesome. Um, when I said there's a play happening there, I wasn't wrong, because I just read uh, Katie Hawbaker's piece in The Reader about the Golden Girls being produced by Hell in a Handbag at Leather Archives and Museum.
0: Yeah, I actually talked with Gary about that very briefly. I didn't know it was the Golden Girls. That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. So just another reason to go.
1: Yeah, that's... that's Honestly, I think
0: the pinnacle of my queer experience will be watching a Golden Girls play in a kink museum.
1: That sounds like just pure Adam Rhodes.
0: It really does, actually, though. (laughs) It will be the second Golden Girls play I see because I saw a Golden Girls puppet parody in New York. Oh, my God. It was ungodly funny. Um, That is great. The little... the Adorable gay man who played, uh, Sophia, the like old lady. Well, oh, they're uh-huh. all old ladies, the oldest lady, um, <laughs> you know, the
1: old lady. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, <laughs> um, he had her voice sound perfectly and you know, like she's old. So she like shuffles. Uh-huh. and so he's like holding her as a pup. And so he has to like shuffle too. And it was so funny. He's like, that's great. It was just so, so, so funny. Um, But yeah, I really can't say enough great things about Leather Archives and Museum. It's Mm -hmm. also like really, really supported by just a really dedicated group of volunteers. I have a friend, Jerry, who volunteers there, who he like changes out the flowers during the seasons. He like sweeps the front porch and everything. So it's, it's an institution that has a lot of loyalty and a lot of respect and a lot of dedication in the community. And you just love to see that, frankly.
1: That's really cool. So yeah, yeah. volunteer, make a donation, become a member, visit the museum, uh, mm-hmm. see the play that's happening there. That's all really good ways to to support a Chicago institution. and I, I look forward to checking it out. Yeah,
0: so there was your little Joseph some undercovered queer history, undertold queer history, Taryn. What did you think?:
1: I appreciate the lesson. Yeah, I, I'm excited to learn more, and we'll have to go together
0: yes 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 that would be so much fun yeah um okay so you know how we wrap up every episode Taryn Mm -hmm. what is your queer pick this week
1: my queer pick pivoting hard from the leather museum and archives uh is this small wallet-sized photo of me in a dance recital outfit I'm showing you Adam
0: (gasps) oh my god (laughs) this is literally the best moment of my life
1: (laughs) So when uh, Monica and I visited my hometown this summer, uh, we were just kind of like, you know, going through stuff in my childhood bedroom. And this picture came up and I gave it to Monica so that she could keep it in her wallet. Um, It's me. I think I was probably three or four in this picture. It is so cute. I'm in a little green tutu dancing to the song Hippity Hoppity Frog for my dance recital.
0: Do you remember the lyrics to Hippity Hoppity Frog?
1: Mm. I think that might be the only lyric.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. What, that would be the actual. I'm Googling this.
1: Yeah, you might be able to find it. But, yeah, that's my queer pick is this awesome photo of me as a young dancer.
0: Oh, my gosh. I found the lyrics to hippity hoppity frog. Um, my queer pick is hippity hoppity frog. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, My queer pick this week. Are you ready for this, Taryn? Mm-hmm. Are you ready for the queer pick? Yeah. There is a bag I have been desperate for like a purse i've been desperate for for like a good six months oh my god and i f-
1: think i know because i think i saw it on twitter but i'm I excited fa-
0: i found out on a resale website it is from a black queer owned brand in new york city and they sell out in like 10 seconds online mm-hmm. and i bought a bubblegum pink telfar bag are you ready for this
1: oh my god she's amazing she's amazing how'd you get um, it how did you? I got it on
0: Reza website. I um got it on Poshmark. Okay. Because okay. um well number one the color that I wanted was sold out and they um they off- they had previously offered this program where you can like for a limited time you can like pre order like any bag any color any size that they've made and mm-hmm. that's how like they make sure that like everyone can get a bag that they like yeah um, but it's a limited sign up and like. It's not happening yet, so I just went on to Poshmark. Um, hilariously enough, uh, Chicago drag icon Lucy Stool um, has the same bag or the same color bag that I do um, wow. in the small and the large. And we were um, talking about like oh, like talking about like the Telfar bags or whatever, and she just happened to say like oh yeah, I have these arriving like next week, and I was like oh, mine is arriving this week, so I felt very cool that t- no Lucy and I have the same bag. So Lucy and I also have the same tattoo artist. It was very fierce. Um, wow. So, yeah, my and this is my queer pick of the week. Number one it is a bubblegum pink Telfar bag in medium. It's a supposed to be like a laptop like kind of day bag. Um, I really, really love it. The leather's really, really soft. Um, and it's actually the first like purse ish like bag that I really, really like that I'm like comfortable kind of like going out with. I have this other green one that's like a little more embellished. Um, but isn't super super functional admittedly it's like kind of clunky and hard to open but -hmm. it's really really pretty so I just kind of have it as a decoration in my room (laughs) but this one like I like went to the grocery store with it I've like gone out with it it's like it is the bag and I actually bought it specifically for my New York trip
1: I like that your first purse is like a bubblegum pink one that is yes I feel like I'm definitely in
0: like a pink phase right now
1: yeah that's good
0: it matches my uh, pink Doc Martens and my pink hat True. and my pink jacket. So, like, it is literally going to be a look once.
1: All pink all outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I can't wait to see it.
0: <laughs> all right. So, thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We'll see you
2: next week. See you next week. Bye chicago queer and now is a podcast from the chicago reader the city's independent bi-weekly alt newspaper that's been keeping things free and freaky since 1971 the show is hosted by adam rhodes and taryn allen produced by brianna wellen and edited by adam rhodes it features original theme music by richard brazil voice work by me kirk williamson and show logos by taryn allen reach out to us at cqn at chicagoreader.com follow us on twitter at chicago queer now and support this podcast and the rest of the chicago reader team by going to chicagoreader.com slash donate